When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, good afternoon and a warm welcome to you. This is The Call, 10 companies, two experts over one hour. It's a Friday, February the 18th. I'm Nadine Blaney. So I'm very pleased to welcome into studio with me, Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital and also Claude Walker is joining us from A Rich Life. But I'll start with you, Luke, down from God's country into the big smoke. Um, Look, we are in reporting season. It's now that the small cap um, real end of the market starts to pick up. Is it an exciting time? It, it is exciting. I mean, it's it's hard work, but it's exciting. I mean, all of the all of the research you do leading up to it, it's now that validation. You know, like are, are the companies that you have conviction in, are they performing? Are there issues? It's it's you know, it is exciting from that that sense. But um, you know, I saw someone talk about it's a fire hose of information, right? And, and mm-hmm. it's more about filtering and and focusing on the ones that you you need to. Obviously, the ones that you own, but um, trying to stay on top of other things as well. Um, and particularly for small caps, because the large guys have started trickling through. We've we've seen that, yeah. but the small guys they're always later. So next week we'll be busy. We'll be busy for yeah. quarter myself, but it is it is exciting. Okay, Claude, how's it been going for you so far? Some of your holdings, no doubt, have already reported. Uh yes. Yeah, so so far, avoid uh, avoided any disasters and some positive ones too. But uh, at the same time, there's always some uh, slightly more disappointing results. And I have to say, you know. I always find it difficult when um, a company I own reports less well than I'd hoped and then you have the difficult decision uh, to make as regards to whether it's broken the thesis or whether you should um, reduce your holding or whether actually that's just part and parcel with uh, investing, of course. Um, If you can't weather any disappointments, then you'd end up selling everything and eventually because everything has a disappointing half eventually. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. We'll see if any of your companies being held comes up in this hour. I would, though, like to start with the stock of the day. Um, in the smaller end of the market, it is Smart Group, SIQ. I picked it because it's one of the best performers on the day. It's up by 10%. And um, look, guys, this is a company that TPG and potential capital, I mean, it was going to be taken over by private equity. And then, uh, essentially, private equity walked away. But this is clearly a pretty strong half coming through this morning and declaring nearly 50 cents in dividends. Uh, They've seen an improvement in innovated leasing vehicle orders, although it is, again, one of those companies that is offering commentary on supply chains. And, uh, you know, a little bit uncertain coming from the CEO as to when those bottlenecks might ease in a significant way. Claude, Smart Group, what is your assessment? Uh, So I think that there's a a few key things to keep in mind about Smart Group. I guess the most important and first one would be that this is more of, I guess, a, a value play or a dividend stock. And of course, many people have owned shares in it in the hope that it will get taken over for a premium and you know you just mentioned how that's played out recently which which led to the share price dropping down and now it's actually declared a special dividend 
pretty strong results. I think analyst forecast had about 44 cents per share in earnings, and these guys came through with 45 cents per share, so slightly ahead of that. But then also, you know, returning um, capital via a special dividend plus their normal dividends, pretty good. And so I think that, um, you know, that's probably helped drive the share price up today because, you know, in this environment where the growth stocks are selling off due to inflation fees, uh, fears, a company that's paying out a lot of uh, cash now today in the form of dividends, uh, you know, is becomes relatively more valuable, really. So I think it's probably in the right spot for more conservative um, investing, which is, I think, probably likely to do better in the in the near term anyway. Um, but having said that, the organic growth over the last few years has been uh, pretty minimal, if any. So um, you wouldn't call it a growth stock for maybe a young, super long-term high-risk investor. But I definitely think that um, these results are consistent with it as a steady earner, plenty of cash flow, increasing dividends. Um, although I do note that one of them is a special dividend, so that might not get um, repeated into the future. Uh, Basically, they have been impacted somewhat, as you mentioned, by supply chains because um, some of the people that have want to get novated uh, leases for their for new cars through Smart Group haven't actually been able to take delivery of their cars yet due to supply chain holdups. So, you know, I don't think that's a long term big problem for the company. It just means that it's probably pushed a little bit of revenue out of this half into the next half, and and that might continue to happen until supply chains ease. But overall, I'd actually say the inflationary environment isn't too bad for these guys either because it pushes up the price of used cars, which makes it more likely, you know, so I'm told, uh, as I understand it, that people will actually just then get a new lease by like selling their old car because it, it's actually retained its value and then they'll get a new re- new lease. So that's probably good for these guys as well. So what is it, a buy, hold or a sell? I think for the, for the um, dividend style investor who's more of a value style investor, I, I'd actually probably say call it a buy. I'm always reticent to buy a stock on the day. It's up like 8 10%. But yeah, like I think this is one of the high quality ones and, and I've considered buying it a bunch of times um, when I've been looking mm-hmm. for that kind of play. I think what it's probably think? trading. Sorry? I was going to say, I think it's probably still going to yield like quite quite a good dividend in the years. The one big risk, of course, is that there's a li- like a, a law change like Labor proposed a few mm-hmm. years ago. Um, which could really destroy its business. And that's probably the reason why it's cheap. So you'd be taking the bet that they don't try and change fringe benefit tax. So policy risk, regulatory risk, but um, is it worth the investment? Yeah, look, I think this is the problem when Claude and I come on. We think very similar because that's my takeaway as well. For the right investor, if you are more dividend focused and value focused, Smart Group is something you can definitely buy today. Um, I I actually know this stock quite well. In a former life, I was a mid-cap manager and I used to own Smart Group. Um, When I looked at the result today, it's the exact result I expect from Smart Group. It's sort of mid, um, low mid single digit revenue growth, some control over their costs, you get some margin growth and sort of high single digit profit growth. It's never going to shoot the lights out, but that's, I think, what you can expect moving forward. The current CEO is the former CFO. You can tell an accountant's running this business, mm-hmm. just the way that it's managed. They're very conservative, very focused on the long term. It's probably a double-edged sword because I think they are conservative and they will give you that steady growth. But this is an industry that you think back sort of five odd years ago when Macmillan Shakespeare, Smart mm-hmm. Group and SG Fleet performed really well. It was the roll-up of the small acquisitions, and, and they're largely done. So the only m and left in the space is the big stuff. Eclipse is sitting there as a potential takeover. They've sort of positioned themselves, and Macmillan Shakespeare had a go at them a while back. SG Fleet made a big acquisition of lease plan, I think, last year. I don't think Smart Group, I don't think the, the, they'll take on the big risk of an acquisition. So 
this is the sort of business you're buying, but you know, I think that's fine. It's very capital light, spits out a ton of cash. I agree with Claude, the dividend, there's some, um, obviously a special dividend in there, but this is a business. I think you'll see more of them in the future mm-hmm. because if they don't make acquisitions, the cash builds up on the balance sheet and you've got a CEO who, who will give it back to shareholders. So on, for me, about 14 times earnings, 9% dividend yield, like I said, admittedly some specials in there. I think for the right investor, it's a buy. That's a buy. I felt a buy coming. I did. All right, that's going in the portfolio. All right, let's get to the first stock picked by you. It is Pure Hydrogen Corporation. PH2 is the ticker code for Vincent. Hi, Vincent. Asking about PH2, um, talked about a news about a joint venture in India, um, but it did quickly drop back after that. He's wondering if he should take profit because he holds it. against the backdrop of being cognizant that hydrogen stocks were a big trend last year, Luke, and they would potentially continue to be so in the future. What do you think about pure hydrogen? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll clarify. It's one I'd never heard of until until looking at it for the for the show. Um, went back and did a bit of research. It was previously a gas company called Strata X. So I was a little bit confused at first because, you know, pure hydrogen corporation, I expected to see, you know, hydrogen be the the part of the business, but then there was also some talk about their gas reserves and I was, hold on, is this a hydrogen or a gas business? But realised sort of the the history of that business. Looking at the chart, the share price took off uh, back in, I think, October last year. They they took a stake in a business called H2X, which is looking to manufacture hydrogen-powered vehicles. That sounds really interesting, um, but their stake was about $2.5 million issued in shares for, call it a quarter of the business. So it's valuing that business about $10 million. And I sort of question, that's not very much capitalization for a business that wants to manufacture. Um, so I, I think capital will need to come into that at some point, whether that's provided by Pure Hydrogen or, or someone else, I'm not sure. Even for Pure Hydrogen themselves, um, there's no receipts in this business yet. The cash burn's not crazy and 12 mil in the bank. I don't think there's an immediate risk of a capital raise, but they're signing some term sheets to build hydrogen plants um, and, and looking to do some, some other things as well. I just think it's also another business to get where it wants to go. It, it needs much more capital injected into it. Um, and that's just not my style of business to, to sort of be there that early in the story. It, I think it's something you can come back to later on after they execute, um, because these are going to be like infrastructure like mm-hmm. assets um, and, and can be very good ones to own at the, at the right time. And I, for me, it's just not the right time right now. You're so early in that story. It's such a long way to go. So much risk between having a, a concept or even even the, the, the deals and the term sheets mm-hmm. are good. It's years before construction and it's done. So it's, it's, it's a pass from me. And Claude, I mean, that's the point with pretty much everything hydrogen right now. Although it is being, um, you know, really talked up by our, our government and, and although there's a lot of investment being made and Fortescue Future Industries and Woodside, everybody's talking about the push to hydrogen, but the, you know, the, the runway to get there is still so long and there won't be, it's, it, the road is not going to be littered with winners. It'll probably be the opposite, right? Yeah, so, I mean, this is just, the his, history doesn't necessarily repeat, but it sure, sure as certainly does uh, rhyme. And, you know, when I was looking at this pure hydrogen one, it reminded me of the first company I ever bought shares in um, as, a, I think, like a 20-year-old, uh, which did ceramic fuel cells, which was also like trying to turn gas into power, okay, a slightly different mechanism. Um, and, you know, that went up six times after I bought it as part of sort of the rebound um, from 2009, but then it went, eventually went to zero. And I suspect that a lot of the shareholders in uh, Pure Hydrogen Corporation, you know, they're having a similar experience. Like they've perhaps jumped on um, to a story stock 
and um, the share price has gone up and, the, and they've really enjoyed that experience. Um, the most likely outcome, in my opinion, is that this you know, stock will trend eventually down towards zero. Now, I don't know what path it will take because, you know, I think that the reality is that this thing, it has like, I think if you include all the, op, um, if you include all the unlisted shares and stuff, then this is 136 million market cap and it doesn't really have any kind of business. It has a bunch of ideas, you know, it's got a stake as um, in this, you know, pure H2X global business. It's going to do first waste to hydrogen plant. It's planning to develop hydrogen plants in different ports on the East Coast. Um, it also has these gas assets. Um, it's all just the ultimate, it's the ultimate Ghana company. Mm -hmm. It's got a great, it's just a story. So the share price will be defined by how many people like get excited about the story, speculators speculating on the stock. It's much closer to gambling in a casino than um, investing in a long-term profitable business that pays dividends such as SmartGrid, which you just talked about. Um, so I don't know what the share price will do because I can't predict what a whole bunch of people will do that are speculating as well. But, you know, I just think you have to be aware if you have, um, you know, money in this kind of business, don't become a believer in the story. Don't, don't come and start believing that stories are really worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, they sometimes are on the market for short periods of time, and that's fine. But don't be the kind of person that just, oh, the share price goes down, so I'm going to buy more, buy more, buy more, because that's actually like more like gambling, and you're throwing good money after bad. Mm -hmm. So if you made money on the stock, good on you. I might go up or down. I have no idea. It's speculating. It's not really what I do. And um, good luck to you. But I, I suspect, you know, the long-term outcome for, for a business like this is it's probably close enough to zero. So you're going to avoid that one as well. And if you're a Vincent, this is not financial advice. It's information only, but uh, you would consider taking any profits that you've made so far. Just put words in your mouth, Claude, but um, I think you would agree. All right, I'd like to get on to the next one. This is for Hayden, Next Science, NXS. It has just announced a revised partnership with a company for white label distribution of some sort of a a biotech, a biofilm wound gel for post-operative surgeries. I'm not familiar with this company, Claude. Are you? Uh, I'm not. I'm a little bit familiar with it, yeah, because it's in the med tech space. Um, and so, you know, what it, it can basically do, it, it's about preventing, um, as all of its products are about preventing infection. That can be surgical site infection. Um, that can be like um, putting stuff on a wound. It can be site preparation for tissue graft, treatment of conic chronic wounds, ulcers, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, now, now, it has about 200 million shares on issue, so you can calculate the market cap. I think it is um, about 200 and a bit over 200 in AUD and a bit over 150 million in USD. Now, I mentioned USD because these guys actually report in US dollars because that's where most of their business is. And I think that uh, probably what's been weighing on the share price lately is if you have a look at their cash flow, um, you can see that even though they are growing receipts from customers um, and, and they were actually almost $3 million in the last quarterly, uh, they have a free cash flow burn of uh, about $2.4 million, and I think uh, less than $10 million, perhaps only around $7.5 in, in cash there. So I think that you know ultimately these guys aren't growing fast enough to prevent the need for another capital raising and that means that if the market thinks that it's definitely going to need to raise capital you often see a chart like that um, where it's really just going to uh, that's going to weigh on it because they know that the market knows there's going to be more shares coming and they don't know what price that will be yet especially with sentiment around growth stocks now this is 
actually got real revenue, actually got a real product. So I'm not calling it a story stock, but its growth just isn't fast enough now mm-hmm. to be sure of valuing it. It's too risky for me. Okay, um, Luke, I saw you nodding when free cash flow and cash yeah. burn were mentioned. Um, what do you make of it? Not growing fast enough, but I mean, with biotechs, you often know that there's another cap raising down the mm. track, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think as, as an investor in something like this, I, I agree with Claude, it's not a story stock. There's obviously something there, there's a product there, but you do acknowledge it's always a long and, and sort of rocky path to, to hit that full commercialization and, and, and become a profitable business. And usually it means, as Hayden pointed out, you do have to partner with some of the majors. They've already got the distribution networks. They've got the access to hospitals and doctors. You have to obviously concede some, um, you know, upside to them, uh, but, mm-hmm. but you always have to do it. It's just the way that the medical industry works. So I actually came on a while ago when Next Science was up and, and the main issue I saw was the Zimmer Biomet dispute. Um, it was hard to come up with a financial impact to it, but just the idea of one of your main distributors being in a dispute, management team are focused on that rather than the business. It's just, it was a messy one. That's now to the side. There's a new distribution in place, no financial metrics around it, but I, like I said, just removing that dispute, I think is a positive. Um, I was nodding my head with Claude because he, he highlighted exactly the main risk I see, that the capital raise is coming, that that growth trajectory, even if you modelled out some higher growth from um, from the ramping up the Zimmer distribution, it, it won't it won't get there quick enough to, you know, before the cash balance comes down. So there's another raise there, that's why the chart looks like that, but the business and the product looks interesting. So it's one of those ones, like I said, as an investor, you have to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. That's the path you're going to go through. So if you're if you're backing the product, um, if you've done some work around that, then you can definitely hold a stock like this. But you sort of have to have an iron stomach because that's that's the path you'll take. So I'll say hold. But um, yeah, it's it's always a tricky one with with these sorts of businesses. Okay, Satire is the next on the list. This is for Sarah. This is a company that has reported. So we've got some recent information to go on. Now she points out, in her opinion, the presentation looked good, but the share price fell twenty percent plus. She says she just doesn't know how to value the company. Any advice would be appreciated. Now, Claude, I know you know this company quite well. Luke, um, what is what's your research on Satire telling you? Yeah, um, Sarah, it's a very interesting point saying like I, I don't know how to value it because I think, as Claude's pointed out a few times, growth stocks have been through a transition in the last, call it two or three months. And the, the, the way the market is valuing those growth stocks has drastically changed. I came on Ausbiz, I think it was the morning of the Satire result and made a comment that if they'd reported that result a year ago, mm-hmm. the stock would have been up 20%. It was, the, it was the, the things the market were focusing on back then was exactly what Satire gave you. Top line growth was, you know, it tripled. Um, really good metrics around um, user growth, average orders, all the things you want to see mm-hmm. for an e-commerce retailer. But of course, fast forward to where we are today or, or a few weeks ago with Satire, the market's now focusing on the sustainability of these businesses. And it went from a, a small profit, a couple of million dollars, to a loss, like $8 million. You know, cost of acquisition of customers doubled. And, yeah. and they're the things now the market's focused on. Um, the actual result, I thought it was okay. Obviously, the valuation was high, the market was savage. If, if you're in the stock, I would actually continue to hold Satire. I think the business is interesting and, and the trajectory, it's so, it's so rapid. Like when you're that hyper growth, it, it doesn't take long to, you know, if you're, if you're tripling your revenue, that, that becomes substantial very, very quickly. So if you're there, I would hold it. But similar to what we said about Next Science, it's gonna be volatile because it's the nature of that business where 
market expectations are high. It's, it's moving so fast. It's like that saying, move fast and break things. Mm-hmm. Like it's from, yeah. from report to report, it's going to be volatile, but, but I would actually stick with it. Sarah, that's a hold from Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital. Claude Walker from A Rich Life. I know you've looked at this result in detail and the business in detail. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you held it at one point. Uh, would you still be holding it now? Are you still in it? Um, so I actually sold it way even lower than the current share price. So I did, I did hold it, but I guess, um, the questioner says she doesn't know how to value the business. Well, I guess I don't either because I sold it, uh, way lower than the share price got. Uh, so I guess take what I have to say on up with a grain, grain of salt. I thought, um, that the most recent results, what you know, really jumped out at me was basically that actually their gross profit was less than the amount they spent on advertising and marketing. Now, the story goes that uh, this is worth it because they have a high number of repeat customers. So if you acquire a customer through advertising now, then they'll still be coming back in in years to come. I don't buy that very easily when any company says it because the nature of e-commerce is that you can acquire a customer through Google advertising today and there will be another customer another day, but they might come again through the Google advertising route again, and they're probably going to keep on Googling things. I don't think you're going to, um, you know, if some if you find someone who searches like best price Gucci bag or whatever, then they're not going to discover satire and then only look at satire and never look at other things. They're going to keep on Google, Googling best price, whatever luxury item they want, and they're going to, and they're going to keep on having to compete for that customer um, through advertising. Uh, in my view, endlessly. Like, there aren't that many websites that people just go to, um, or what, like, out of loyalty without checking competitors. E-commerce it has a lot of advantages over traditional retail, but it also exposes you to competition in a way traditional retail doesn't. If you are at the Gucci store and you want to buy the bag, you're probably just going to buy the bag and walk away with it. There, you're being sweet talked by a very professional salesperson. You might even walk away with something else as well. But um, <laughs> You're not going to go and like most people aren't going to go and start, um, you know, checking the prices and where's the cheapest place they can get this, blah blah blah. But that will happen online, and I suspect that a lot of the people that set the go to satire are that. That's how they're finding satire. I mean, satire's main selling point is um, on price. So for me, um, yeah, like I, it's not one that I want to. I don't really want to have a great view on it because everything um, Luke said is correct. Like this is a high growth stock. If we're in if we're in a more buoyant market, if we're in that kind of scenario, then people love it. Even just as long as the gross profit's mm-hmm. growing, it doesn't matter if they've started losing money. So it's not one I would ever personally bet against. But also for me, at a billion dollars market cap for zero profit, this feels to me like it does look a little bit like it could be one of the sort of bubble retailer e retailer stocks. And we are seeing a lot of um you know, e-retailer businesses that just absolutely killed it in the pandemic because that brought forward a whole bunch of high intent um, searches. And now um, we're losing that as that money goes more to travel mm-hmm. or services or other things we couldn't do before. To me, that's the ultimate example of swimming against the of, against the tide. Now, maybe they can succeed doing that, but personally, um, it's not for me. Got it. Thank you. Uh, Satire. We could continue talking about that one, but let's get on to the next on the list. Open Negotiation, OPN for Tony. Luke, I'll start with you on Open Negotiation. Yeah, I'd actually never heard of this business. It's only a recent IPO, I think Mm -hmm. mid mid last year. 
Um, the, the, the product looks interesting. It's like a website with transparent property auctions. Um, there's only, I logged onto the website, there's only 6,800 properties there when I had a look this morning. So it's still subscale, but it's, it's interesting. It's like, you know, the, the house is there, you can see the, the most recent bid, how many people have bid on it, how many active bidders, and it's a transparent you know, auction mm-hmm. compared to how, how many are actually done in, in practice. So I, I actually look at the product and think that's, that's interesting, there could be something there. My next thought is always, it's, it's so tough to create a two-sided marketplace. You've got to bring these people together. And once you, once you create it and, and the flywheel effect, I, I know Claude hates that word, but I'll use it. Um, you know, it does kick in and these businesses can be brilliant, but it, it's so hard to get them there. And particularly when you've got some entrenched players, like particularly REA, you know, REA is so entrenched in this market. They want things to be a certain way. You know, any sort of competition that could potentially emerge, they would look to, to crush it before it even comes up. Um, the other thing I know, they're looking to expand to the US. It's a much bigger market. I get that. I get the appeal of, of any business that looks at the US and, and says we'd like to go there. But they have a very different real estate market to Australia. They don't auction. No, and yeah. that was my first thought as well. They don't auction. Um, they use um, MLS, like the, they, they group um, by uh, the, the real estate agents together. Yeah. Rather, Yeah, it's a very different market. So I, I wonder whether the product can just be picked up and put in the US or, or how much it has to change. Um, Look, like I said, interesting product. It's so early stage, still burning a lot of cash, six mil in the bank. We're talking about um, Next Science and, and um, the others before. Um, there will be more raises, and I think the share price probably reflects that. My, other, my last comment was, I actually don't think, if this business does work, I don't actually think you see this turn into a, a listed business at sort of $500 billion. Mm-hmm. It gets snapped up. It's the sort of strategic acquisition that I could see someone else in that property tech space making. So. Interesting one, Tony, but um, it's just too early stage for, okay. for me. But definitely keep an eye on it. And you can keep tracking that website. Like, you know, you could log on to that website fortnightly, see if there's how many houses More, are up there. Less, yeah, and it's, it's a good metric to keep is. an eye on. Yeah. How about you, Luke? Open negotiation. I think you mean me. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, Claude. Uh, yes. No, I, look, I agree with what Luke said. I probably would be a little bit harsher, maybe. Uh, so, look, I will say this for it. We've talked about. Um, you know, previously on this show, just the story stock that was worth 130 million. Now, I think this one's um, only about a 30 million market cap. So it's not so punchy. It's not, it hasn't had a big pipe thing where people have speculated and rushed out and bought shares, in my opinion. So, look, maybe there's some sort of uh, narrative speculation that you could do and that would work out okay on this one. But uh, for me, uh, this one is another story stock. I don't think that it makes sense as a business very much because. Uh, first of all, I don't see it being anywhere close to having any kind of network effect that will provide a competitive advantage um, in, the, say, the way you know realestate.com.au has. Um, I don't, you know, that's not even on the horizon because even if they did have a critical mass of people, you know, using this system, I just don't see a network effect there because if you want to buy a house, you're going to, and the and the vendors like, hey, you have to sign on to this thing to to give us your offer you'll do this one or the other one or whatever one the vendor chose, right? If you want to bid the house. Um, so, and it's such a big transaction. You look, it means you have to create a new account with a new thing, then that's fine. It's not the same as, you know, perusing a house where you just want to go to the same website each time. And, you know, real estate, they use using example of a website people just go to. You don't Google houses in Glebe, you, you just go to the realestate.com.au. And, um, so I don't think it makes sense there. The other thing is why, do, like, it's not clear to me uh, why a buyer would actually want to have this system of auction. Look, they say 25% of their um, auctions 
you know, and fifty thousand dollars above expectations. But when I was thinking about that, I was like, I don't that that's not really that compelling, right? Like, surely just you know, some things go higher than expectations, some things go lower than expectations in the game of real estate age and you know, real estate in Australia, fifty k unfortunately is not very much money. That might just be like five percent of your total consideration price. So. Um, you know, that doesn't stand out to me. And as a seller, if you've got a house that is sufficiently tantalizing and in demand area to justify an auction, then surely you want to like have it on yeah. the sunny spring day when everybody's there and, you know, the family's there and the, the, the partners are holding hands and they're nervously trying to like get themselves into 30 years of debt at the, the most they can. You want to have that impulse to get the highest possible yeah. price. So, um, no, it doesn't make sense why vendors would, would jump for it either. So, yeah, no, a hard pass from me on this one, but who knows what the share price will do short term. Yeah. All right. So that's open negotiation for you, Tony. Now, this one is Seiko's group for Alex. Um, well, Alex called you out by name, Luke. So I'm going to start with you on this one. I like what this company does, mm. right? Um, it is into packaging, but it is biodegradable, recyclable, earth-friendly yes. sort of stuff. Um, but I haven't looked at the financials. The financials aren't too bad. I mean, it's it's you know generates really good revenue. Um, got distribution through Woolies. Like it's a it's a real business. It's not just a yeah, a it's concept. a product, and um, it, it's also looking to expand overseas as well. Or yeah, it is ex- it, it overseas. Really, yeah. I think I think the U.S. operations are, are bigger than than. Um, Sort of Asia and Australia, so um, it's it's a real. I've I've followed this business for a while. I'm sure Claude's the same because it's right in that ESG space. Um, for me, I think it's always had an ESG premium to it. Whenever I've looked at the price, it's probably twenty to twenty five percent more than I want to pay. But that's the ESG. You know, people. You can just see the tailwinds this business will have over the next five, ten, twenty years. So I think essentially as this technology gets better and better all plastic will move to this this bio um, biofilm which degrades faster and, and you know the problems we have with one use plastic and things like that um, look yeah so I really like the business the, the main problem I see when I look I open up their last quarterly you have a look um, their December quarter last year there was a big spike in their biofilm and I think that was when they first had the Woolies distribution which of course you know you're now in a big supermarket you're going to see that spike since then it's sort of just plateaued and you haven't seen growth really come through now covid's probably impacted them a little bit and um, they're talking about floods in malaysia so a few different things you can point to as as, as issues and it's it's one where look alex i, I don't own it I, I probably like i said it's on my watch list I, I definitely look at every report they do i probably wouldn't rush to buy it today like they called out going through a capex cycle um the last result 1.7 mil operating outflow so again, it's not that flavor of the month of investing for growth. We've spoken about that a few times. But longer term, look, I think it's a good product. It's a good management team. They've proven they can bring products to market, partner with these large distributors, you know, get, get into Woolies, uh, bring their own brands as well. They've got the, the My Pet, My Eco Pet mm-hmm. and My Eco Bag. A lot of things are like, but, but for me, I just, it's the timing and the price. I, I think it's 100, 130, 140 mil market cap. So. It's, it's still got that ESG premium where it's on my watch list though and, and one I would love to own at the right price, but just not quite yet. I would definitely hold it. I would definitely hold it if, if you're in there. Okay, I'm just trying to look at the price today. It's about $2.85, is that right? Um, uh, what, tw- 28.5 Sorry, cents. 28, yeah, right. Um, what price would you buy it at? Um, well, I sort of threw out that 20 to 25% a bit off the cuff, but but 
you know, somewhere around it, in the low 20s, like, you know, 20, 22, yeah, 23. Okay. Um, and again, like when, when I think of, of that sort of mentality, it's not it gets to that price and I automatically buy it. It's, it's, it's more, you know, once it gets to that level, I'm taking a nice deep look at it. I'll try and talk to management and, 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 and make a decision. But that, that's how I think about those sorts of price targets or, or watch lists. Got it. Claude, what's your view on Secos Group? Well, it's funny that um, Luke mentioned the twenty cent, the low twenty cents range, because actually I was I was looking through all my notes on this company, which I have actually owned in the past and do follow, um, and I was on the call in November twenty twenty, hmm. uh, a while ago now, and and the share price was twenty cents, and I was calling it a buy then, um, but actually my thesis then uh, was basically that the company was um, approaching break even because of those um, some of those wins Luke mentioned and was actually going to burst into break even profitability and free cash flow profitability uh, or free ca- positive free cash flow unfortunately though actually it turns out that didn't happen even though since that time their receipts have gone have trended up continue to trend up their actual you know operating cash flow and free cash flow has gotten worse and that is as Luke mentioned because they've pulled out like you know they're reinvesting in a new factory mm-hmm. upgrade which is supposed to add $25 million of additional revenue. Now, if they're run rating about, uh, sorry, it's supposed to be able to add $25 million of additional annual revenue. Now, if they're run rating at about 35 at the moment, you can see that getting this um, new new manufacturing up will be um, a significant contributor for scale for the company. And that is probably what maybe then will actually burst it into um, yeah. profitability. However, you know, I sort of sold my shares because the share price went from 20 cents to over 30 cents. And um, then it actually started reporting, you know, that they weren't getting cash flow positive. So my thesis, which is that I wanted to buy that inflection point into profitability, my thesis was wrong because that's been pushed down the road. And that's still my position today with this. Like, I agree with Luke in maybe like the 20 cents range is a good price. But also what I want to see at 20 cents even is that that, um, inflection point is really there right now, basically, um, because that's when the whole nature of the business changes from one that constantly needs money to one that actually is producing its own free cash flow, which it then can use to invest in its business itself. So um, even though I definitely think there's a real business, quite like it, have owned it before, uh, look, I just wanted to add, you know, it has really transformed itself in that the biofilm, which is the biodegradable stuff, that is now, you know, they're selling traditionally more than their traditional um, film, so the quality of the business is positioning more for the future. Having said that, it's not there yet, and I wouldn't be looking to buy back in until I can be uh, convinced that they are going to be sustainably profitable. And look, I will having last point is that they are saying that they um, expect a stronger performance uh, next half. So, so let's see if that comes through in terms of sales. Got it. Seiko's group for you, Alex. Thank you, SES. Now, let's get to a little bit of a wrap up. Let the guys have a bit of a break. Stock of the day, Smart Group. It was a buy. It's going in the portfolio. And as of next month, it will be going to our investment committee. I'll get you across those details in just a tick. Pure hydrogen, it's an avoid. It's a pass for Luke. Uh, Claude says it's just gambling at this stage of the game. Number two on the list was Next Science. It's a hold if you're in it for Luke, um, but it's going to be a long and rocky path. It does though have a product. It will be looking to raise more capital and that's Luke's uh, Claude's big concern as well, which is cash flow, so free cash flow. Uh, they're not growing fast enough in his view. Number three, Satire. Look, um, 
Claude's big problem is that it spent a lot on advertising and marketing. In fact, it spent more than its gross profit. So he is avoiding this one. Luke says if you're in it, hold it. What he's questioning is the sustainability of the growth. Open negotiation. It's an avoid for both of my guests. It's a hard pass, in fact, for Claude. And then Seiko's growth. So they like the company where it's headed. Uh, Luke would not buy in at this price. He would look more towards 20 cents. He wants to see that it continues to grow its revenue and turns profitable. And that's what Claude wants. He wants a sustainably profitable building before he would buy in yet again. And his target price is around that 20 cent mark as well. So our portfolio, back to that. Weekly, we are down 2.25%. On the month, we're down about 6%. Year to date, though, still up around 3%. But if you take the portfolio since its inception, so that's July 1st of 2020, we're up by 38.82%. Now, I alluded to the fact that we're going to have a bit of a change happening in the, in, in the, in the fund. So what it is, is um, we will be starting a live fund, but it's high conviction, so it'll have a much smaller basket of stocks. So we obviously will still be taking your requests on the program, covering 11 stocks per day, and our guests will still say whether it's a buy, hold, or sell. So basically consider that the filter. If the stock has two buy recommendations, then it will be going to the investment committee, which will meet monthly, and they will decide whether to add or remove stocks from the portfolio, and that includes changing the weighting. So it's more about portfolio construction. So the portfolio that we have, we love to death, but it's a bit unrealistic, let's be honest. So we're going to start again, kick it up a notch, and uh, every month we'll bring you an extra edition of the call where you'll get some insights into how the investment committee is thinking, why they're tweaking the portfolio, if they do. And we will be bringing you the CEOs of portfolio companies to answer their questions as well. It's going to be very good. So. We will launch that on the 1st of March. So time is actually ticking on this uh, current format. Enjoy it while it lasts, but it will get better. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, our next five stocks are Beamtree, Group, PWR, Duratech, and E-Road, which always, I always remember that um, Claude was the first person to introduce me to that company. Anyhow, let's go to Beamtree. First up for Philip Luke, uh, actually asking for a view on BMT's latest re report. Um, costs have skyrocketed, but asks if it will return to profitability soon. It's made an acquisition. Basically, it's, it's sort of software, is it, for the healthcare industry? Mm, mm. So healthcare software. Um, it's in that like clinical coding workflow, accuracy of data. Um, it's, it's an interesting business. I've looked at them a few times and I'm sure Claude has as well being in that med tech space. It's grown by acquisition, but I must admit every time I've looked at the acquisitions, I've seen the strategic nature of them. It's, it's been in a, in a vertical where I think it adds value to the overall product. They're not just buying revenue or a geography or whatever it may be. Um, Philip's right, like costs skyrocketed in, in the latest report from the point where you know, this was a business running 30%, uh, mid 30% EBITDA margins, which is nice margins for a software business, to being loss making. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a big pivot in the space of one year. Now, some of those costs will come from an acquisition they made, 
but just reading management's commentary they've they've put a lot of costs into this business to, to chase growth and it's a, it's a consistent theme and i think we'll talk about it again more of businesses that are doing that right now the market's just not having the patience mm-hmm. and the long-term vision to see through the investment you're doing up front for the growth that can come through in the future. So you need to be showing the the, the investments bringing some immediate scale, some immediate benefits, and, and without that, they've been hit pretty hard. Um, the only other note I did take, Philip, was they reported organic growth of 24%, but you have to be aware that this is a business that also does some consultancy work, mm-hmm. um, and that consultancy revenue can be lumpy, um, you know, one-off, not recurring in nature. So their actual recurring revenue was only 16%, so that's, that's the number I would focus on rather than the headline 24 um, but for me, again, it's one of those stocks um, like Setire or even um, Secos before where just where we are in the market right now and the investment phase you're going through, I think you can be patient and just wait and wait for that growth to come through and the scale to come back into the business. Um, definitely keep it on your watch list. Like as Claude, I'm sure will point out, the med tech space, med tech space can be so fruitful um, for investors. Mm-hmm. So okay. keep an eye on it. Um, hold it if you're there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell it and look to re-enter. That, that's always a bit tricky. But um, if you, if you're someone just watching, just, just keep an eye on it and um, yeah, wait for that that inflection to come back. What do you think, Claude? Beam tree. Yeah, Luke knows me too well. Of course, I do like the space. The thematics are good. Um, so in particular, these guys started out in doing work though for pathology. So you can see, you know, we all know how important pathology is for uh, healthcare. But um, uh, I agree, you know, with the hold recommendation because essentially um, there, there are a couple of problems with this investment and I don't own, own shares in it. Uh, but uh, basically, look, the cash burn was $4.3 million. And that's just like really quite high um, and means that it is probably setting up to maybe need to raise capital again. So it's probably in that situation unless it can really um, reduce its cash burn. Now, it does have uh, 16.8 million in ARR. So you would have hoped that by now they could be in a position where they could actually uh, get to break even and then fund that growth, but they don't seem to be there. So that is a bit of a warning sign, big increase in cash burn. For me, it's usually okay. a bad time. And then second from that is uh, basically it's growing largely through um, acquisition, not so much organic growth. And that makes a huge difference um, because it means that it's not necessarily demand pool growth. And that means it's very hard to start justifying um, investment in a loss-making company when you don't at least have a product market fit where you can see it selling itself. So for, for that reason, that's why I basically love, I like to invest in growth stocks, but when I want to take that kind of li- risk, especially if they're losing money, I really want to see that growth being organic growth. Got it. All right. So that is not on the buy list. Pay Group, PYG for Reese, uh, says really enjoys the program. Great. Uh, looking for a view on that company, PYG. What do you think, Claude? Um, yeah, so this one is definitely, you know, it looks cheap maybe on its revenue multiples and um, it talks about ARR, like it's a pure sort of software company. But as I understand it, it's more perhaps like a software and services company where people might use it for managing various um, HR functions. Like as you can guess, number one, um, doing payroll. And on top of that, you know, essentially this is a company that was based in, is based in Singapore and is listed in Australia, which also, you know, Singapore has a stock market and all that kind of thing. So sometimes um, I'm a little bit skeptical of foreign um, listings in Australia just because uh, 
you know, if it, it just sometimes it can just be like, oh, mm-hmm. why have you listened here? I don't know. There's going to be skepticism around that. And, um, you know, it too has also had uh, done an acquisition recently. And so all, all things considered, you know, basically these guys aren't really profitable, maybe at break even. Their free cash flow is negative as well. Um, so for me, um, this just lacks the kind of quality that I want to uh, see when I'm buying into a business. Again, what I'm looking for is I'm going to buy a loss-making revenue multiple style business that, that's touting its ARR. Is I want to see high margin business, a gross, high gross margin business that is growing recurring revenue um, organically and that's because more all the customers yeah. want it and they're coming there so that's what I'm looking for and that's not present here so it's, I, I won't personally buy shares um, however that's not so much a, that's not so much a sell like if you have a thesis for it maybe that plays out this doesn't kill the kill the thesis but for me it's just not the quality of business I would want to see this business do earnings and then I would buy okay. on a good earnings multiple do you have a thesis for investing in this company a positive thesis um, yeah, look, I've looked at this a few times and there's reasons to like the business. Um, you know, the founders still own a good chunk of it. Um, his background is he, he worked at um, ADP over in the US, yep. the biggest um, payroll processor in the world. Um, you know, it looks cheap. Claude's spot on though, it's a, it's a lower margin business. There's obviously manual processing in, in the way they do the payslips. It's, you know, it's clearly not just all SaaS software. Um, looking to do some HR software and, and some high margins there, and that's doing okay. It's not shooting the lights out, but it's doing okay. Um, I just agree with Claude, and it's been, a, again, like I keep coming back to this same theme, mm. but I just need to see it pivot to profitability first. And even in the last update, they gave an update at the end of the third quarter. Um, there's a lot of positives, you know, a lot of contract wins and ARRs doing well, and, um, you know, their upsells are working. And then the last paragraph was the cash position, cash position of the business, and it was six point two mm-hmm. million. It was seven point seven at the half. So you know they burned yeah. another one point five million in that third quarter. So for me, recent, a lot to like. I actually agree with Claude. I think you hold it if you're there. It, it's it's not expensive. It's not the world's greatest software business, but it's okay. Um, and I just for me, I just need to see it pivot into profitability first. Got it. All right, let's get to the next on the list, shall we? Time is getting away from us and PWR Holdings for Steph, PWH. Claude, I think you own this company. So what is your investment thesis? Yeah, so I do own, but only a very small holding in this. Basically, my investment thesis is this, is that this is actually a very high quality, um, profitable, dividend paying, uh, free cash flow positive Australian business uh, that you know, provide small like cooler, cooling systems is its specialty, right? For, you know, they got there, they built their name by building the cooling systems for Formula One cars. But, you know, what I missed all those years ago when they announced that is that this was actually the evidence that they actually have the top-notch um, technology and they're the great providers. And that's what you want to look for because that's how you see that organic growth come through. People are coming to them saying, I want your equipment, I want to be your customer. And because they're manufacturers with their facilities in Queensland, you know, they can't immediately click, just click, click a switch and massively grow sales because they have to invest in the, the personnel and the equipment and all that kind of thing. But what they're doing now is that they've taken that expertise into, you know, um, auto vehicle um, cooling systems and they're starting to provide uh, stuff for military and defense contractors and stuff like that. So that opens up a bigger market and basically the company itself is quite bullish the um, potential for growth in this over the next few years. But to, the, to that end, they've recently signed a 15-year agreement on a big new factory in the USA. It's currently being um, constructed, but was supposed to be ready in March 2022. So 
Um, you know, and my, meanwhile, you know, the, the supposedly demand opportunity is there. The CEO is saying that they're spoilt for choice mm-hmm. for uh, growth opportunities. So I like to see a, a company that's got a lot of natural organic demand. And if that, if that factory gets built in time and on, on schedule, then we could start to see a really strong profit growth come through into FY 2023. We're talking next year. The only problem right now is I think this thing is trading on a dividend yield of about 1%. And, um, you know, maybe 50 times trailing earning. So it's quite expensive. Um, and that is why I only have a really small holding because I think it's a high quality business. I think it's actually higher than 50 times earnings, but um, it's a high quality business, but it's just priced like a high quality business. So whilst I really want to build a holding, I kind of want to do it at the lowest possibly pr- possible price when there's pessimism around the stock. I don't know what's going to go wrong. Maybe they're going to do one half that disappoints. Maybe I'll never get my opportunity. Maybe growth stocks will just sell off enough and I'll get my opportunity. But it's just high up on my list of okay. stocks. Like it's one of my number one that I'd buy in, in a crash. And, so and to that I, end, have, I already have a little bit. Yeah, I have to ask then, if you're Steph and you're not in it, I don't have any further information. What price, again, would you be willing to pay? I mean, you must have some sort of an idea. Yeah, so I mean, certainly if we got down um, below sort of $6, I'd definitely Whoa. be popping up then. But I mean, that's 20, but look at that growth stock is still yeah. near its highs, right? Yeah. Many others are down 25%, okay. 30%. So I wouldn't have thought it's actually that unrealistic. It okay. may not happen though. But I already bought <laughs> some at a higher price just because I, I, I don't you, know. You like, that's it. what I'm holding yeah. out for now. If they do really good results, I would put my buy price up higher. And that may be what happens. Okay. All right, Luke, um, give us your, your case for PWR Holdings. Yeah, look, I mean, Claude owns it and knows it well. I, yeah. I've got some notes, but it was pretty much exactly everything okay. you just said. It's, it's a great business, but it's expensive. Um, the founder's a character. He you know, has a quote that he eats, sleeps, and craps radiators. He uses a bit more colourful language, though. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's a great business. If you're in there, you definitely hold it. Like I said, we were talking about um, um, satire and things like that before. Don't get cute if you're in something already trying to trade yeah. around it and get back in. If you're Steph and you don't own, I actually agree with Claude. Um, for me, I would think about it more on a multiple basis. You know, if I'm paying about 30 times earnings for this business, I'd be happy. Okay. 50 is, yeah, that's a, start, yeah, that's okay. a, that's a tough one to pay for that. Steph, I hope that helped you. Let's get to Duratech. D-U-R is the ticker code. Uh, look, I'm going to skip through what it does. It basically, it, it services um, operations in defense and mining sectors, it's coatings, it's everything else, refurbishment, asset protection. Um, Yaz writes, the chart is not looking great, plenty of selling pressure, bought a few trances from 40 cents all the way down to 30, current average is now 35 cents. So again, um, Yaz is asking about this company as a long-term hold, Luke? I'd never, I'd never looked at this before, and, and quick glance, there's a lot to like. It's cheap. I mean, you know, about 10 times earnings, and, and they were depressed. Um, if, you, if you go back to FY20, it was about 12 mil on a, on a you know, call it 80 mil market cap. Management's owned a ton of the business, which that's what you want with a contractor. Um, these are businesses that can be very, you know, fluctuating, and, and how you price contracts and think long term is, is so important. Um, I think that flows through to the balance sheet. There's very minimal debt. It's 35 mil net cash. Big order book, won a few contracts. The only concern I have is escalating input prices. We're hearing that from everyone who's reporting. Um, so, I, like I said, I'd, I'd never looked at it. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick call to management, just to ask them, you know, how do you structure your contracts? Mm-hmm. Do you have more short-term contracts or those, you know, the ones you'd really worry about are those, you know, 10-year infrastructure deals where, yeah. you know, those input prices can really, you know, and you've seen like RCR and a few others blow up in the past. So, I actually, I thought there was a lot to like. Like I said, I'd never looked at it. So this is only on sort of half hour, 45 minutes. 
I, I think Yaz has done the right thing. I, I think this is one you can buy at these levels. And, and, and hold, hold for and, a long and term. And hold, yeah, that's right, because these businesses, they, they can be lumpy. So, so report to report, it, it, can, it can be lumpy, but I think there's enough there to suggest a good management team that are doing the right mm -hmm. things will drive this longer term. So I think topping up and, and, and holding is the right, the right idea around 30 cents. What do you think, Claude? Because I think you've got some insight into this company. Yeah, so I actually own a few shares in this company and it's funny to hear Luke mention our oh, quick call to management and, and to chat about the contracts. So I wanted to talk to management about, you know, what's their exposure to um, wage pressures, for example. So, you know, if you're finding a lot of companies are finding it hard to, you know, find employees and stuff. And these guys are maintaining, you know, defense bases all around Australia. So, you know, they got to keep that maintenance up uh, if they I wanted to see, you know, what the pressures are there. Um, but I couldn't actually get through to management and I sent the email. Didn't. Now, this doesn't mean it's a bad stock, but I just wasn't unable to like get uh, any sort of answers. And, you know, if that's an experience that other people are happening, that's happening to other people, you know, they've not given guidance. They're like, oh, too uncertain to do guidance. Um, one of the other reasons it would cheapen is that, you know, revenue actually came down in the last report. So it's not a growth stock. Like people can't talk to management easily. We're kind of flying, it's like trying to piece together a puzzle, you know, what's going on here. Now, on the positive side of the ledger, we did see, you know, a little bit of on-market director buying. We did see um, they've announced, you know, another big uh, defense contract. And, you know, this is going to, this should be like the, the demand, the revenues going to continue to flow. These guys, you know, in, as I understand it, employ, you know, ex-defense personnel as well. Um, so I think they've got a good relationship with the government. Obviously, one can hope, you know, the, the, for me, the sort of upside thesis comes from this idea that maybe we're really going to get into the swing of replacing all the flammable cladding on build, buildings, and these mm -hmm. guys might benefit from that as well, one would hope. So that's kind of what my thinking is, but it has to be a small um, holding for a few reasons. I mean, you know, putting aside the fact that I can't get onto management, like, it's just a recent listing, right? So we haven't gotten a long-term... Um, picture of what this business behaves like over the full cycle um so i'm a little bit cautious there on the other hand look it is a good dividend yield and high insider ownership so one would hope that their incentives are aligned and that they want the company to do just as well and keep growing dividends and if they do that you know i think we should do okay it's it's a fairly low multiple of earnings and a 4.5 percent ish dividend yield um if they can grow that a bit it's going to it should be a good income stock so, so you'd hold um, if you were yes. I, look, I hold personally, yeah. yeah. And like, I guess I would, I would, you know, I find it attractive at current prices, but the reason I'm not buying more is because of the risks and it's a smaller liquid mm -hmm. stock. The risks mean I would, um, me, I would make a rule that I only have a small holding in unproven yeah. value plays that are a bit dark and I don't exactly know what's going on. Yeah, okay. Now I will start with you on E-Road Claude to just keep the flow going. This is for Nina. I don't know if, if she's got some, if she's looking to get some. So give us an update on your view on E-Road and just tell us whether it's a buy, hold or sell today. Yeah, so we're running out of time, so really quick. Like I still own it and I still think it's a buy. However, previously I've talked about this stock a lot of times and it has I, I've lowered my valuation since some of the other times I've talked about mm -hmm. it, and I reduced my holding at slightly higher prices as a result of that. Um, and I still hold the stock, but the problem that it has been occurring, which in my view is why the share price is down, is because basically um, the 
non-acquired business in the US, so the E-Road business, not the acquired Cortex business, has not been doing so well. And they keep on saying, oh, you know, we're finding difficulties with COVID, blah, blah, blah. But I think that it's in particular the kind of customers they were selling to that are having difficulties with COVID because some of their direct competitors are growing throughout COVID in the US. And so that's like that's broken the narrative of growth there a little bit. And that's problematic for the stock. And, and that's why I've, I've become a little bit more skeptical about it. But one would hope that the Cortex acquisition, which is growing in the US, can change that story for the positive again. And then we'll see the share price going up again. So still a buy. Still a buy, but I have I have to you know disclose that um, I lowered my valuation. I did sell a bit at high prices. Got it. Thank you, Luke. A buy, hold, sell for Eero. Do you like what it's doing? Do you have confidence that it can grow the business, particularly overseas? Yeah. Look, uh, my, my first note I jotted down was it's one I'm actually familiar with mostly through Claude. Um, yeah. He's written it up a few times on a rich life. Um, so I know the business and I know the product and things like that. The quick look today, it's Claude's right. Clearly the first thing you see, they're struggling in the US with that core E-Road business. Cortex is now in there. That's that's the promise now for the US growth, but you've obviously got um, acquisition integration risks there. Hopefully they can get through that. I look at the price, it doesn't look overly expensive and, and the chart's not pretty and, and the no, way the market not. works, it could keep going lower How you know with momentum. but. You know, if, if you're Nina, and I actually agree with Claude, I think if you're someone who's new to this business or coming to it, you probably could start to dip the toe in here. I think, I think it is looking oversold. Um, and I think people, more importantly, are extrapolating what's happened through COVID out into the future. Um, whereas I think, you know, you look pre-COVID, this business was actually growing quite strongly. So hopefully they can return to that. Hopefully Cortex can help them get back to that. So I wouldn't jump in straight away. Like, you know, if you know what sort of position size you want, you might pick up. 15, 20% of what you want because of that momentum on the chart. But I think you can start dipping the toe in. That is a buy then on the day. So that is going into the portfolio. I do not believe it is in there already. I'll sum things up very quickly. We've got Beamtree, BMT for Philip. Cash burn, bad sign. Uh, you want to know that there's a growth inflection there. I don't think that was a buy from either one of my guests. I didn't write down a huge avoid for Beamtree, though. Is that correct? No, yeah, okay. Beamtree okay. on your watch list. I think it's a good watch business. list. Got it. Okay, pay group. It's an avoid for Claude. It is a hold for Luke. He says it's founder led, um, but you do want to see that profitability coming through. PWR Holdings. It's expensive. Um, uh, but Claude is a holder and again, uh, yeah, you just want to look at a better price for uh, Luke at least. Duratex, it's a hold for Claude. He says it's cheap. Cheap is what I've written down from you, Luke, as well. It's mm. a hold. E-Road, it's a buy from both of my guests, although Claude is getting a little bit, he's a bit more skeptical, let's say, than he was prior. I will thank you, Claude, first, remotely. Have a good weekend. We do appreciate your time and your insights on the program, as always. Thanks for and, having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And a huge thanks to you, Luke Winchester. Um, I think your weekend probably starts now or yes. soon. So yes. enjoy and we'll see you, we'll no, see you it's soon. It's good to be back in the studio again. Yeah, great. Luke Winchester there from Meriwether Capital. Claude Walker from A Rich Life. You can check that portfolio out at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.